0: It says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan, Where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male amongst you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant, any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael... I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Sure.
1: Well, a very warm welcome um, to you all. And February already—I can't believe where January has gone. Well, loving, I'm excited about being in a new sermon series. I love the start of a new sermon series, and. And as we know, there are are many different ways in which we can pray. There are many ways to pray. And prayer, when I talk about prayer, what I'm talking about is a conversation with God. I'm going to keep it simple. It's a conversation with God, two-way conversation, a listening from God and a speaking to God. And it's all been made possible because of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, isn't it? Jesus' death, his life, his resurrection has brought for us a relationship back with our maker and we get to have a conversation with him. That is incredible. Like, it's a simple thing. Like, we talk about prayer, that we can do that. But isn't it mind-boggling? And If you take nothing else away from the next, however long this will take, you get to have a conversation with God. You get to listen from your, to, to your creator, God. You get to speak boldly, approach the throne of grace, because of Jesus. And what we're going to do is we're going to observe kind of like different styles of prayer, and as Shane was saying, we look at, chrono- look at the prayer chronologically, the moment in the life of the prayer that is happening. And so in doing so, my hope, and I hope the different preachers that are preaching this are hoping that we will feel refreshed in a variety of ways, that our prayers can be voiced and can be honouring to God. Isn't that great? And I think our ultimate calling my ultimate desire for us as we want to be a people of prayer is to be in this daily, moment-by-moment conversation with God. That it's not just something that we come and do once a day and then we forget about it, but it's a minute-by-minute, a moment-by-moment, decision-by-decision opportunity to converse with God. Well, this is going to be a little bit different than the traditional sermon series that we've done on prayer before and that you may be here um, and I've been excited about doing this. This is, a, this is way out of my comfort zone, I have to say. But it's exciting to think about seeing how different people in the Old Testament prayed, isn't it? It's exciting to, to see that. And we're going to be looking at um, the conversations that they have, the experiences that they have at different stages of their prayer. And what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about prayer in the lights of a movement. okay? A movement that is happening where a movement is where, if we just put it on, please, seeing and experiencing God at work as we actively pray. Seeing and experiencing God at work as we actively pray. So if you want to get that down, if you're taking notes, we're going to be referring to a movement of God. And when I'm talking about that, it's as we actively pray, seeing and experiencing God at work. And we're going to look at, as I said, chronologically at different stages in the prayer. So for example, we're going to be looking at before a movement starts, before we see and experience God at work. Obviously, God's always at work. That's without saying. But we don't always see it, do we? And so we're going to look at Abraham today and we'll look at um, Solomon next week before a movement starts when God has promised to do something, but it hasn't quite come to fruition. We haven't seen it, hasn't seen it happen. We're going to look at during a movement. We look at when David and Hezekiah pray and God is at work, how do they pray when God is actually at work, when they're seeing him at work? And then after a movement, once, God has, once the person has experienced and seen God at work and God has answered that prayer, how do they respond? What's their prayer life like then? Because we always find ourselves at one of those three stages, don't we? Desperately praying for something to happen, for a movement of God to happen, in the middle of it or after it. How is our prayer life affected? How is... Well, yeah. Anyway, so um, I think there's about six things here that I'm hoping that we'll take away from our, from our sermon series. And hopefully you can read those. But I'd love us just to have a greater understanding of the Old Testament. We're going to be covering different people in the Old Testament. And we'll get to like, have a snapshot of that person and have a look at um, the life and times of what's going on at that time. So I hope you have a great understanding of the Old Testament. A framework for the types of prayers that some Old Testament people are praying for. I want us to have an understanding that prayer is not just about what's happening in the middle of a storm. So often our prayers are focused on, oh, something bad's happening, let me pray. It's not bad, that's good. But there's so much more to prayer. I want us to trust that God will ultimately fulfill all his promises that he has made to us. God is at work in us, even in the, un- in the seemingly unanswered prayer. God is still doing something. And that we would grow in being a people that have daily conversations with God. Love that. I would love that for myself. These are goals for myself as well. And I stand here, um, not the expert on prayer. So I'm not standing here pretending to be the expert on this. But I'm learning and I'm excited and I'm learning from some of you. And hopefully we'll learn from one another. But I'm really excited by this. And today we're looking at Abraham. And we see that he is a pretty major figure in the Bible. And we're going to learn from his conversations that he has with God. And so we just read chapter 17, but Abraham covers about 11 chapters in Genesis. And so I'm going to do a a three or four minutes overview of Abraham in those 11 chapters, if I can. So if you just click on, that'll be great. Thank you. So the story of Abraham. So if you want to look in your Bibles at chapter 12 of Genesis... And what we see here is we see the Lord God speaking to Abraham for the, for the first time that we hear of. And guess how old he is? He's 75. So he's, he's older. He's older. <laughs> Best is yet to come. But he's older, isn't he? He's older. 75. And God tells him to leave his country taking his household and his household is pretty big not just his family but his servants hundreds of people take his household to a place that god will reveal to him and then he says a movement basically god says reveals to him the movement that's going to happen look what he says in verses 2 and 3 i'm going to make you a great nation i'm going to bless you i will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's not a bad first conversation to have with God, is it? It's not bad at all. And Abram's response we see in chapter 12 is that he obeys. No mean feet lifting up. You know, I'm thinking like moving, if we were, not saying we are, but if we were asked to move, moving three kids and us two, that would be scary enough. But moving this whole tribe of people would just be an incredible group of people. And so um, he does it, though. And what he does in in verse 8 of chapter 12 is he builds an altar and he calls upon the name of the Lord. So What's he doing there? He's worshipping. He's worshipping God. The first thing to do is he gets somewhere and he he builds an altar and he worships. He calls upon the name of the Lord. He worships God. And then at the end of chapter 12, a famine hits and he has to move to Egypt, but he's scared because he thinks Pharaoh's going to take Sarai off him because she's beautiful. And so they lie, partly lie. They are, slight, they are half-brother and sister, but he says, oh, we're brother and sister. And so Pharaoh takes um, Sarai, and then um, a, a kind of like serious disease is inflicted by God upon Pharaoh's household. He doesn't know what he's doing. God knows what he's doing, but Pharaoh doesn't know what he's doing. doesn't know why it's happening to him. And then God protects him. God protects Sarai. Pharaoh gives um, Sarai back to Abraham. Why did you do this? In chapter 13, Abraham and his nephew Lot separate because there's not enough land for them both, uh, for, for both sets of people. So Lot chooses what he looks like, the better land. And then in chapter 14, war breaks out. Lot's taken into captivity and God sends Abraham to go and rescue Lot. And at the beginning of chapter 15, Abraham is 79 years old, and he says this, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, and I'm your very great reward. What a reminder, just what he needed at just the right time. See, Abraham's concerned that the promise is that God has made him is no closer to happening. He has no heir. The air has still not come. He's been waiting and waiting, and still there is no air. And the air is the most important thing for people at that time to pass on their possessions to, to keep their lineage going. It was so crucial. And God speaks to him and says, Look at the stars, Abraham. Look above you. Your offspring will be like the number of stars there. And I love this. Abraham believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness in 15, verse 6. See, we see the whole part that faith plays. Trusting in God. He trusted God's promises. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Just as our trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. is counted to us as righteousness. Amen, church. Abraham's like, how can I be sure? Come on, God, how can I be sure? So what does God do in chapter 15, verse 9? He makes a covenant, a binding agreement, a covenant based on God and what he's going to do. And he says, you can trust me because I'm going to make this happen. And he makes a covenant, an unbreakable agreement with Abraham. Then in chapter 16, you think, oh, he's got it. It's been counted to him as righteousness. Abraham's got it. And then what does he do? He takes Hagar Sarai's a um, uh, servant and has a baby with her, Ishmael. Chapter 18, Sarai laughs. Sarah laughs when she's told that she's going to have a baby. She laughs, outright laughs. Then chapter 21, when Abraham's 100 years old, 25 years after God said this is going to happen, a movement finally starts to happen. He starts to see the first part of it. The heir, Isaac, comes. But there was a lot of waiting. There was a lot of waiting, wasn't there? Even for that first part of the promise to come true. And Abraham wouldn't see the rest, a lot of the rest of the promise. He wouldn't make it to the promised land. 600 years would pass before Joshua took the land. And so what can we learn from this, uh, from Abraham, from the time that he was when he was speaking to God, worshipping him, having conversation with God, what can we learn from him? And so firstly, I have three things. The first thing, if you don't mind clicking on, please, is as we wait for a movement of God, he reveals something of his nature. Just simply, as we wait for a movement of God, for us to see and experience him in some way, for him to answer our prayer, he reveals something of his nature, Look at chapter seventeen, verse one. Abram was ninety-nine years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, "I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty." In chapter fourteen, he'd said something else. He said, "I am your shield. I'm your very great reward." But now he says, "I'm the God Almighty." God Almighty is the name for God of El Shaddai in the Hebrew El Shaddai, which means the Overpowerer. I am the overpowerer. Waiting for 24 years, still waiting for a movement of God for it to start happening for him. And what a character, what a nature of God to be revealed is, I'm the overpowerer. You think this is impossible? You don't think I can do it? You've been waiting this long? I'm the overpowerer. I can do anything. Nothing can stop me from fulfilling what I have promised to you. Isn't that great? At just the right time, when he just needed it, he reveals something of his nature. Church, our God is El Shaddai. He is the Overpower. He is the God Almighty. And maybe you're praying at the moment for an experience to see God at work. You're in this midst of praying and praying and praying, and yet you've not seen something happen. For years and years, maybe waiting to see someone be saved. And maybe you're getting tired of waiting. Maybe you're doubting. And maybe today you need to know that God is El Shaddai. He is the God Almighty. He is the overpowerer. And I love this, that as we we come to his word, as we're waiting for a movement of God to happen, God will reveal something of his nature to you when you need it, if we look for it, if we're willing to hear it from him. Just a small example of even just uh, this last couple of weeks, as I'm slowly reading through the Psalms and trying to, like, pray a little bit back to him and listen to God as I do it. I've been struggling with this concept of um, how the wicked always prevail. It seems that they always prevail. And um, I've been talking to uh, several people over the last couple of weeks about the issues that are going on in Erdington and all the houses and multiple occupancies that are just not managed in the way that they should be and the people not cared for as they should be. And someone came in and was sharing that there's two companies that run most of them in the area and how they're in it for the 800 pounds per room, per person. What they're in it for. And the care is shoddy. And we see the outworking of that in our community. And it was getting me really annoyed. And really frustrated and really angry and quite bitter at times. God, are you going to do something about this? It's getting worse, not getting better. And then as I was reading Psalm 10, where it talks about... The wicked who prosper, who wait for their victims, who catch the helpless. And then, of course, the second half, David says, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. You will judge them justly. You hear the desires of the afflicted. You are the helper of the fatherless. You will break the arm of the evildoer. And I saw, and I know this already, but at that time, I needed to know the nature of God. He cares for the oppressed and the poor. He loves them. He's the helper of the fatherless. And praise the Lord, even that week, someone came in and was sharing that they were doing a, a conference last Saturday and I wasn't able to go. I was really sad I couldn't go where he's trying to fight this issue and he's trying to start up a new charity that is going to buy some accommodation in the area and for minimal rent... Like cover costs, but will offer care for those people. And he's trying to get different churches involved in that. It's funny how God works, isn't it? It is funny how God's works. But but just at the right time, when you need it, he will reveal to you something of his nature. Converse with him, speak with him in the waiting. Be willing to listen. What is what nature of God have you seen in scripture that's warmed your soul? What is something in the last couple of weeks that has really warmed your soul? I thought, Lord God, thank you so much. that That is true of you. As we wait for a movement of God, he reveals something of his nature. But secondly, as we await for a movement of God, we receive God's unbreakable promises. We receive God's unbreakable promises. Verse three of chapter 17. Abraham, Abraham fell to face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham, Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I have made you the father of many nations. Isn't that amazing? Past tense. Not I'm going to, I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as of an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. You see, the promise here, the movement hasn't for Abraham happened yet. He hasn't received the heir. He wouldn't see all those things come to fruition. As I said, 600 years will pass before um, Joshua takes the promised land for Israel. But we don't get to see a detailed account of Abraham's prayer life during this time as he's waiting. But in the intervening years as he was waiting, what was he holding on to? The promises that he'd received. He was holding on to them. And as he made an altar to, him, I can, uh, altar to God, I can imagine, he's, what's, he, what's he saying back to him? He's reciting the promises. this You promised me this, God. I want to take hold of this. I want to receive those promises today. They may not be happening now, but but they are true. He believes the promises, the unbreakable promises. And then I bet that he seeked to live out his life in the light of that movement that God was going to happen. His life was all dictated around that promise, those promises. <laughs> Um, for me right. now. I've had this done in school to me when I was teaching on many occasions because the kids were bored. It's not a fire. There's no fire. Saying I've had that done to me in uh, one of my lessons before because the kids were bored when I was teaching, but um, not in not in a church, in my service, it's a first. I can smell something though. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I'm sure I want a piece of that bread if I'm honest if I can smell it from a beer but it smells a little bit burnt um I can't remember where I was but I think Abraham would have been seeking to live out his life in the light of the promises that God had made to him and we are part of the promise that Abraham's been given we are the church. We are the stars in the sky that were promised to him a people that would be God's. We are under the new covenant now, a better covenant that was made through Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And we await the promise, the promised land for us, the new heaven and the new earth. It's the promise that we have in the future. A sure promise. And so, as we think about taking hold of that promise, the sure hope of a new heaven and a new earth, a fully redeemed and restored heaven and earth, what does that mean for us in the here and now, to take hold of that promise? Well, similarly, I think it means to seek to live out that promise in the here and now, thinking about we're God's people now, we are his redeemed people, and we are part of the community that are his king, seeing his kingdom grow. We're part of making his kingdom grow. He's using us to redeem communities. That's why we're here on this high street, because we want to see Erdington redeemed. We want to see Sutton Coalfield, the north of Birmingham, the whole of Birmingham redeemed. Ultimately, it will happen one day. But until then, we are his workers to go out and do, the, do that for him on his behalf. in The power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything without him. But just imagine this high street being redeemed. Imagine walking down Erdington and it being a redeemed high street. Perfect. Or your community, your neighborhoods. Imagine that. Imagine that for now we get to hold on to that promise and we get to live in the light of that promise now and pray and desire to see our communities transformed and saved. Let's, Let's get excited. Why we have this place. The sole reason we have it to be light, to have a space where we can gather to go and be light together. You can do it in your own homes, you can do it as you're walking down the street, but we get to do it en mass here together. That's why we have refugee ministry, that's why we have English class, that's why we have Mum's Meet, that's why we have the cafe, it's why we do everything that we do, is because we want to see our community redeemed. And as people come into contact with light, we pray. We pray. They would come to know Jesus too. But also it got me thinking about the promises that we have received in Scripture, the hundreds and hundreds of promises that we have to enjoy today, that we get to, to enjoy and receive through prayer, through conversation with God. Often when I come to pray, I think I have to do X, Y, and Z, I have to say this, I have to say that, I have to do it in this order. But what I've learned from studying this and looking at Abraham is I just want to receive the promises that have been given to me daily. I want to live in the light of the promises that I have in Scripture, and yes, they may not have been, all have been fulfilled, but I get to take hold of them today and receive them and live out in the light of that in some small way. So, for me, as you know, my verse is uh, the, um, my verse is the similar one that, same one that, well, it was given to Paul first of all. It's made into a verse that I take as a promise now. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I've been, living, I've been loving this week, just living in the light of that promise. In my weakness, when I feel completely inadequate in what I'm doing, I don't know if anyone else feels weak. That's Maybe. Um, but when I feel weak, when I feel like my sermon is, is stinks, or when I feel like I haven't cared for people well, I get to live in the light of saying, Lord, I know I'm weak, and I want to be made strong. I want to get better in these things. But actually, when I'm weak, you are made to be seen to be much more powerful. All glory be to you. And I get to live out of that every single day in my weakness until he makes me better in some of these things that I'm seeking to do because he wants to make me better, but he still wants to keep me weak in areas as well. But without receiving those promises regularly in my conversations with God, I would beat myself up. I would try to get better in my own strength. But instead I get to rejoice that God is made, um, made to be seen to be strong in my weakness. But if we don't live like this, If we don't live in a way that takes hold of the promises that we've received in Scripture, the alternative is being a bit like what uh, uh, the letter in James talks about: being a being a man that looks in the mirror and then goes away, forgets what he's looked at, looks like. We come to Scripture, we come to it, we read it, and then we go away and think, "What did I read today? How's that impacting me?" I do that. Fortunately. I don't want to be like that. I think what was beautiful was, um, I'm just going to keep on this point for a minute, because last week was beautiful, wasn't it? Um, Tom's baptism in so many ways. It was just fantastic to celebrate. But when all the verses were coming out for Tom, for things for him to take hold of, I'm not going to test you on them all, because there was quite a few. But 2 Corinthians 5 stood out to me. The old has gone, the new has come. How often do do we remember that promise every day? Do we think about it? The old has gone, the sinful life has gone. Today I get to live as a new creation. Today, get to enjoy that truth, that promise. The old has gone. So for you, what is the old flesh thing that is, that is keeping you down, that you're struggling with? Have a think for a moment. What is the old that you keep turning back to? Lust, financial security in yourself, power. What might it be? And then, each day, wake up and say, I'm a new creation today. The old has gone, that has gone. Help me live in the light of that today. And when I fail, Lord, thank you there's forgiveness for that. But I'm a new creation. What are the promises that you need to know? And I was Googling this, and there's a website that has 365 promises of God. It's a promise each day, except for a leap year. But a promise for God. I'm going to send it out to you. Because it's absolutely fantastic. I want to take hold of one of those promises each day and remember that and live in the light of that promise. As we wait for a movement of God, he reveals something of his nature. We receive his unbreakable promises. Are we going to receive those promises or are we just going to forget about them? They're in here. Let's read them. Let's enjoy them. And then finally, as we wait for a movement of God, we see his faithfulness even in our unfaithfulness. the Beginning of uh, chapter 17, verse 1, God commands Abraham to walk faithfully and be blameless. To walk faithfully and be blameless. But it's been a pretty up and down time for Abraham, hasn't it? He's open to leaving his country, he does it. He trusts. He's then scared that Pharaoh's going to hurt him. So He doesn't trust God that's going to protect him. So they lie. He takes his, his wife's servant and has a baby with her. And then now, also in chapter 17, verse 17, look what he does. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham, uh, and Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Yeah, right, God. How are you going to do that? This should be such an encouragement to us because praise the Lord that it was counted to him as righteousness that he trusted God. He really did trust God and yet he didn't always obey. He didn't walk blamelessly. Always. Neither do we. Neither do we. As we, walk, as we aim to walk blamelessly and obey Jesus, living as a new creation each and every day, So often we fail, don't we? And yet it's been credited to us as righteousness. Praise God indeed. He will not let us go. If we are truly His, even if we start to drift in some way, He will not drift from us. When we seek to be a rebel and go our own way, like the prodigal son, He does not wash His hands of us. He is faithful. He is faithful. But how much better it is for us to walk in a way that is faithful and blameless. How much better. Look how it goes for Abraham. When he walks faithlessly and blamelessly, it goes so much better for him. The number of people that are hurt by his bad decisions. Think about how um, Hagar is treated by Sarai afterwards. The harm that was done to Pharaoh's household. So much better for us to walk faithfully and blamelessly. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we seek to honor God in all of our life and walk closely in His presence. See, God is still going to be faithful to you, but it's so much better to walk in His presence, to walk closely with Him, walk blamelessly. God, I'm having trouble with my work colleague that has wronged me deeply. And I've asked you for help in this situation so many times, but you don't seem to be doing anything. And I'm tempted to go and give them a piece of my mind because they deserve it and I'm right. But I know it wouldn't honour you. And as I wait for you to work in this situation, please bring me the peace that surpasses all understanding. As I battle to have victory over lust, please don't... I'm tempted to try this without you, God, because it hasn't worked, but I want to draw closer to you. I want to take hold of the promise that I'm a new creation, the old has gone. And I want to seek to live this out every single day. God, I know you've been promising, I know you, um, you promised to provide for us, and I, want, I need more, finance, more finances, but you haven't done it. And I'm tempted to go and take that other job, which I know is not going to honour you, because it's, in the, it's, it's not a good job and it's not right for me. Help me to trust that you've got good planned and better still for me. Let me take hold of that promise today. Let me live out of that for this day. Give me my daily bread for this day. And guess what? He is doing something as we're waiting for him to do something. He promises to sanctify you, to change you. And guess how he does that? And I'm afraid it's not pleasant. The fiery furnace purifying you through challenges, through difficulty, maybe through unanswered prayer or prayer that's delayed to be answered. God is still faithful to you. It's so much better to walk blamelessly in his presence. As we wait for a movement of God who reveals something of his nature, wow, you are El Shaddai. You are um, the overpower of God. And as we wait for a movement of God, we receive his unbreakable promises. We get to live out of them each and every single day and enjoy them. And as we wait for a movement of God, we see his faithfulness even in our own faithfulness. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what we can learn um, from um, your word, Lord. Thank you for how much, um, how much that you're working us in the waiting. How much you come to us, how much we are able to receive from you while we're waiting for a movement to happen, Lord. We're waiting for you to see you, to experience you, answer prayer. Lord, I pray, I pray for us now, Lord, that we would not uh, grow weary or tired, that we would take hold of the promises that you've given us, Lord, that that we would um, love to receive the promises that you've given to us each and every single day and that we live out in the light of those promises. I pray that when we um, fail, Lord, when we're unfaithful to honor you and walk blamelessly before you, Lord, I pray that we would be very quick to ask for forgiveness, and then to live in the light of that forgiveness and not stay condemned. Father, I pray that each and every day that we would just be in daily conversation with you, that we would build an altar every day of prayer and worship, that we would call upon your name that each and every moment and not just leave it until we're in the midst of a storm. Father God, we ask... Um, that we would be a people that converse with you, that actively listen, speak what's on our hearts, and pray within your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And just before we finish, we you want to put the questions on the, on the board? Maybe take a photo of these. I'm not sure what time we're on. Um, what are the promises of God that you're going to seek to daily receive? How could this affect how you live today? What, just a challenge for you this week. Ask yourself that question. What is the promise you want to take hold of? Where have you seen God's faithfulness in the midst of your unfaithfulness? Where have you seen him keep being faithful to you when you have been unfaithful? I encourage you to repent of those unfaithfulness and receive forgiveness and ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk blamelessly. In fact, we're just going to have a moment of quiet. Um, Nick, do you mind? um... Let's just reflect on that. What are the promises? What's the promise from Scripture that you want to? Receive today and live out of. We can choose to, to do that. Lean on him or lean on ourselves. So often I lean on myself. Let's repent and say sorry and receive forgiveness. Let's stand together and let's just sing leaning. leaning on his everlasting arms.